speaks is a fundamentalist Christian church. Founder and pastor, Carl Stevens. He intimidates you from the pulpit. Don't you say a sentence, not a sentence, not a line. Don't presume or you'll die. How much did you give? Oh, about seven million. If all the messages of Pastor Stephen, I was guaranteed that angels would come every time I preach. That's the truth. It's just lie after lie. They're trying to divide us from each other, but they're not going to do it as long as I'm pastor, because I know how to handle them, because I'm God's man. Well, hello. Hello. How are you? Uh, you know, actually, I've been terrible, if we're being honest. I think um, speaking up against Carl apparently does have consequences because I lost my appendix on Christmas, got a bacterial infection from that two weeks later, and then two weeks after that, I caught a horrible flu. So I'm just doing fantastic. Welcome to Children of Grace podcast. <laughs> Where we speak out against Carl Stevens and apparently get stricken down. No, we don't want to give him that kind of credit. Nope. No, no, no. He doesn't deserve <laughs> no, no. it. But it, it was funny. I was kind of like complaining to my fiance, like, why is this happening to me? And then I was like, oh, it's Carl. It's got to be. I'm not giving Carl that kind of credit. Mm-mm. Fair enough. Mm-mm. Um, <sighs> so to start off this episode, um, we're actually going to talk about Lennox, mm-hmm. which quite frankly, we were just discussing is kind of like the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. So buckle up because it's going to be a ride. It's like when you have a really big jigsaw puzzle and you're working on it, but you think pieces might be missing and it's really confusing. Like That's how it's been. We have a 47-page document just on Lennox that we're working from today. So, and that's just Karen's notes. Yeah, send help. Mm-hmm. And if my voice sounds nasally or scratchy, I wasn't kidding about the flu thing. I still kind of am sick, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> it might not sound as good as usual, but I'm going to do my best. We're going to give it our best. We sure are. Uh, trigger warning for child abuse and spiritual abuse. Luckily, that's it this time. So to start things off, though, we do have some housekeeping related to our episode on South Berwick. So Karen has a note to share with you. I do. I do. So the Bible Speaks Church, which was created and named by Carl Stevens, continued on into Lennox Mass, which is what we're going to talk about today. However, There is still a church that existed in South Berwick that continued running and was maintained by the ministry. That physical church still exists today, but we do want to make it very clear that the current church is no longer affiliated with the original TBS ministry that Carl set up. Um, They're a completely different entity, so please don't attempt to contact them on our behalf or your own behalf to air your feelings out about Carl or his ministry. They're a different group. They deserve to be regarded separately on their own merit, their own teachings. So just wanted to throw that out there. It's important. And also just to generally be aware that we are right now talking about a lot of things in past tense. And, you know, there may be some locations that still have churches or still have people there Mm -hmm. um, that are wonderful people um, and certainly don't deserve any kind of criticism related to the past. Um, So just bear that in mind when we are talking about history that it is history and it doesn't necessarily apply to current day. Mm -hmm. Yep. And again, we're going to do our best to use first names and like last initials just to, to kind of orient ourselves in this world because there's a lot of repeating names. Um, Unless it's somebody who's like heavily involved in the ministry, then all bets are off. Um, We're also going to rely super heavily 
on the Christian Research Institute report again. It's it's a big old document chock full of things, so had to include it. There's also quite a bit that we'll be um, pulling from the Gospel Truth Ministries report on the Bible Speaks as well from 1981. I'm going to give a little shout out. Uh, Daniel Keating is a, or was a, I don't know if he's still around, a reporter at the Berkshire Eagle. And God bless him because his his articles have been very helpful. And he was an active guy. He had a lot of articles coming out. So, wow. But we used a lot of uh, news articles as well. But anyways, to get ourselves oriented here. Uh, we're starting in 1976. So the 70s as a whole was a cultural shift in America. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but people were looking for ways to live alternative lifestyles. Uh, the Manson family was on trial. Heaven's Gate was starting to make headlines. Uh, notorious serial killers were starting to pop up, like Son of Sam, which kind of relied on some like demonic themes uh, and scared a lot of people. So there's that fear going on. Um, and we'll touch on some little other cultural things happening with other cults that might have contributed to the fears of TBS this time. Um, so just so you know, that's going to be kind of woven in there. Oh, I'm already tired. <laughs> you could do it. You could do it. I believe in you. Oh God. Okay. I'm so good at reading out loud. Um, <laughs> all right. So the CRI report, I'm going to try to paraphrase this. Their evaluation of the Bible speaks in the eighties isn't really able to be appreciated if you don't, really look at the the errant views on pastoral authority this is a direct quote that were taught and acted on in the 1970s so like we said before south Berwick really laid the foundation but lennox is where things uh starts to, to kind of go off the rails it's sad too because like i've got a quote here from former pastor that had been active ron Kay. Uh, he said, I have to say that Pastor Stevens and the ministry have contributed an awful lot to my life. I just can't scrap the whole thing and say we didn't get any benefit at all. My family and I learned how to love in a deeper way. We gained more of an enthusiasm to win souls and more of a vision for the world. And another former leader observed that Carl did have a passion for the lost. That's what's so confusing when you leave. So we're going to be going through a lot of a lot of like bad things or like interesting things through this. But I kind of want to hammer home now. There were good things that came out of it. The people there were good people for the most part. Um, and like, let that be your <laughs> shining light through all of this because <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, so Mark B., a former pastor from the Brockton, Massachusetts church, said, there's really not much going on in New England and the Bible Speaks ministry offers something more than nominal Christianity. They have a vision and have made an attempt to give people something to do with their Christianity. I think that's why they've been so successful in the past. And that picks right back up where we left off where, like, people were looking for something different. Carl gave it to them, and they just... Well, they're looking for something to believe in. It feels like that whole time period right. really could be defined by that. And Carl really drew on counterculture, too. Like He did, and they did a lot he, of... He, he leaned in. They did a lot of things that could be classified as good on their own in terms of their community and the people around them. Although I'm certain that the community may not have necessarily seen it that way. Certainly in some conversations we've had, they didn't see it that way, no. um, the community at large. Um, but I do believe that's why you have so many good people that got drawn in because it wasn't like he was just getting up there and saying something good. They were actually doing things about it. They weren't just talking about it. Yeah, and I think, too, there's something to be said for the, um, like, group feel. Like, have you ever been to 
this is kind of random, but like I went to a Bruins playoff game a couple years ago and the energy in the room was like so wild. And that's what I remember most about that experience. I wonder if it's similar for people that were there at the time, like the feeling of the group, Mm -hmm. the way everyone was so excited, if that kind of took over the experience and they were just like basking in that and not necessarily hearing the crazy things that Carl was saying. I mean, certainly they definitely built up quite a community amongst their own people. Yeah. Um, the people that live there. And and I think a lot of people enjoyed that, having that community. I know I would. I mean, for sure. That was one of the best parts of our childhood was having a community always around. Mm-hmm. It also sometimes was the worst, but like, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, in 1976, we are starting out with a Bible Speaks World Outreach established in Lenox, Mass. This is according to GGWO themselves and a bunch of different reports. So 1976, here we are, Lennox, it's happening. And apparently, according to GGWO's website, what followed was a period of great activity. The students of the college proved instrumental in establishing New England's largest bus ministry and Sunday school. Also, waves of teams headed out to various countries. So Hmm. within its first year there, the Bible Speaks swelled the population of Lennox by 10%. So that immediately like, boom, here we are. And more converts kept joining up all the time. Two years later, they accounted for 12% of the population. The majority worked at, went to school at, or lived on site in one of the Bible Speaks properties on or around its 88-acre campus. My God. Yeah, that was a big campus. And they actually didn't stop there. They actually had two other additional land purchases of 12 and 35 acres. So by the time they were done, they had quite a bit of property. And that's not even counting, because we just talked to Dan and Jamie last time, the, the rentals. Mm-hmm. renting out buildings in, in neighboring cities and in Lenox itself, like they were everywhere. Oh my word. Can you imagine not being part of the church back then and trying to find an apartment? Oh no. I mean, trying to find an apartment now is awful. So I can kind of imagine, but, but I'm sure it was worse. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh gosh. So on March 8th in 1976, the Berkshire Eagle made an article called the book of miracles. There's also a book of miracles that was written and produced by the Bible Speaks, we talked about this in our old episode, but uh, this article lists the current known assets of TBS. So here's what they have as far as we know as of March 8th, 1976. The figures change weekly, but at last report, the Bible Speaks claimed to the following. Missionary teams in Finland, England, India, and El Salvador, with preparations underway to send Bible students to another half dozen countries. Northeast School of the Bible with upwards of 400 students representing 29 states and 7 countries. Weekly church services in 12 locations. Latest estimate is that some 3,000 people attend one or more services. Radio and television ministry broadcasting up to 9 hours a day, Monday through Saturday, on 3 radio stations. For half an hour on Sunday mornings and a monthly special on Channel 38 TV in Boston. A bus ministry and Sunday school reportedly to be the largest one in New England with some 16 to 18 buses most of them rented, bringing upwards of 3,000 children weekly to South Berwick and seven other locations. More than 90 Bible study groups in the four-state area. I'm assuming that means Maine, New Hampshire, Mass, New York. They spent a lot of time in Albany. I think they kind of skipped Vermont. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm tired just looking at this. When did these people ever sleep? <laughs> I would love to know. Uh, approximately 10 regularly held coffee houses. We're going to get into those because those are very interesting. Uh-huh. Where Bible college students worked with existing churches and such things as Bible studies, counseling, and musical programs. I think it went a little beyond that from what I've been hearing, but okay. 
uh, a print shop, including three presses, which prints books, pamphlets, posters, etc., many of them in foreign languages. 42 books were printed in 1975 when they were in South Berwick. So we talked about that printing press. The group also reproduces all of its tape recordings of church services and other meetings. I want those. If you have them, let us know. Uh, Southern Maine Christian Schools for Kindergarten through Grade 12 in Scarborough. We talked about this. Operation Spike Nard, the title for an evangelical campaign, which includes person-to-person contact and street evangelism, witnessing, gospel concerts, and rallies. I think it's crazy they had an operation name like this is a that is really like a government thing bizarre that sounds so much like scientology it freaks me out <laughs> right operation spike nard what who came up with that name i kind of love it I'm not gonna lie i don't know but having tactical operations is definitely part of the scientology kool-aid well and there's another article so we'll get to it eventually that uh calls him out on that that like weird military talk that he uses but anyways uh finally the last thing on the list is a large counseling ministry for people with drug alcohol marriage emotional or spiritual problems i bet there's a lot of counseling going on mr stevens said that the ministry had reconciled some 500 homes in six years i just want to point out that i had used that quote before i had seen it separately and i actually misquoted it i thought that meant well i didn't misquote it I misrepresented it by accident. I that meant that he had reconciled some 500 homes and they had sold for him. That is not the case. So I want to walk that back right now. Apparently he meant that he had made them more whole, which I think the people in Woolwich would cast it have something to say about that. But just I'm assuming by reconciling homes, he means like reconciling couples to stay together. Yes, yes. With their families, which when I first saw it, the context was different in the article that I saw that part quoted in, so it was different. Now that I know the full quote, I feel a little bit bad about that. So take that how you will. And we gotta talk about this because first of all, there's no way just one person can be running all this. Mm-mm. Like there are not enough hours in the day. I don't care how superhuman Carl thought he was, there's literally not enough hours in the day for this. No, he had a, he had a bunch of little minions at that point. He had plenty of people doing his bidding for him, so I'm sure he, honestly, I I know he worked a lot, but I don't think he had a hand in all of this. Maybe he did. I just, knowing what I know is coming later in this whole thing, like, where did the man find the time? Where did the man find the money? (laughs) Well, we're going to, actually, I found a lot about the money. You're going to be very happy with me. I, you guys. Oh, I'm sure I will. When I tell you that I have, like, not slept, it's not just because I've been sick. I have been digging so hard into this stuff that I kind of feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> but but yeah, we're going to keep going. All right. Uh, so in September, they established Stephen's School of the Bible in Lenox. Which is really fast. That's Which is real fast. Yep. And that's, I think that's the first name change, right, of their school? Or did they just... Yes. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was Northeast School of the Bible before that. Yes, I believe so. Uh, September 23rd, 76, there's a Berkshire Eagle article called The Bible Speaks Seeks Home for Its Fleet of Planes. Yeah, again. Which kind of touches on something we were asking about last time. Mm-hmm. So we did find this uh, this whole thing. The Bible Speaks of Lenox has filed a request with the Pittsfield Municipal Airport Commission for permission to construct a hangar at an airport to house its fleet of aircraft, according to George H. Rowell, chairman of the commission. They wanted to make a hangar big enough to accommodate at least five aircraft, including three helicopters and two piston engine planes, 
what do they need with uh, three yeah. helicopters and two planes? I couldn't tell you. Uh, the Bible Speaks currently parks one helicopter and a six-passenger single-engine plane at the airport for use by personnel. It owns the second helicopter, so Dan and Jamie were spot on, two helicopters, Yeah, and is planning to acquire a third one. According to the airport officials, the institution has been looking at larger aircraft, including corporate-type jet passenger planes, which would face at the airport. What? I'm pretty sure. I couldn't find it anywhere, but I think they got denied. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they did, too. I don't remember where I saw it, but let's, I mean, corporate jets are not cheap. (laughs) Like, they're not cheap. And building a hangar is not cheap. And also... Where are all the pilots? Like, I understand, I think at least one actually attended, there was at least one person that had attended the church that actually did have a pilot's license and, yes. and flew him around from conversations we've had with people who were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are regulations about how long they can fly and how many hours they can log. And like, you'd, you'd think with that much aircraft, you would need more than one pilot. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Um do you know anything about Gwen Shamblin? This is not related. I mean, it kind of is. It's a cult thing. Um, she, I'm blanking right now on the cult name, but she had her own Christian cult and she was on a private jet with her husband who was like Tarzan in a movie a long time ago. Anyway, the plane crashed like Ooh. a year or two ago and they all died. Oh. It was crazy. Can you imagine if that had happened to Carl? Anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we should be imagining that now. No, I was 100% kidding. That's just mean. Uh, December 14th, 76, the Bennington Banner released an article called The Bible Speaks Denies Coercion. This is a good one. Officials of the Bible Speaks School here say that allegations of young people in Great Britain, so this is an English article, have been brainwashed by the organization's branch there are ridiculous. According to an article Friday in the Brentwood England Gazette, the British Home Office, equivalent of the U.S. State Department, is investigating charges that young people have been brainwashed away from their families. So even out in England, this is a problem. Uh, Dean D. Lewis, that name pops up often, administrator at the Bible Speaks campus in Lenox, says the charges are ridiculous. Our approach in England is the same as it is here, which isn't promising. We present the gospel like any other church. We've never used coercion. And I use his full name because his name is everywhere in this. Well... I mean, let's just be real. If their approach in England is the same as their approach in Lennox, then absolutely they are using coercion because, you know, when you have somebody that telling you that if you, you can't have a relationship with God without God's man and that if you leave or if you speak, quote unquote, an evil report, you'll get tongue cancer or you'll die. Oh, like that yeah, is, dude. that is in and of itself coercion by fear. And to say our approach is the same as it is here. It's like, you're telling on yourself, dude. Yeah, pretty much. I, that's, that is very telling. Why did you say that? That was silly. Parliament got 50 letters from parents complaining that their children were impervious to reason and parental counsel since beginning involvement with the Bible Speaks. That is wild. But I believe it. I believe it too, but whoa. And I say that because on some levels I've witnessed it a little bit. So yeah, I totally believe it. Oh, for sure. Just like... Letters to Parliament. This uh, it's crazy to me that they just got to Lennox and already we're seeing things pop up in other countries. Like it guys. really feels like they multiplied extremely quickly. <laughs> For real. Talk about bunnies, my goodness. Um 
Sorry. It's just like opening little rabbit churches all over the place. I'm I'm overtired, so I don't know what's gonna come out of my mouth. I can't promise anything. <clears throat> this could be a very fun ride down memory lane, folks. Just saying. <laughs> yes. Sorry in advance. Uh, okay, December fifteenth. We're still in seventy six. Here we go. Boston Globe made an article called "People in God's Country Aren't Sure the Bible Speaks Should Be There." Shocking. I have two little excerpts from that one. This is quoting a guy whose last name was Lindsay. I don't have the first name, and that's fine. I'll tell you about those Bible speaks, Lindsay said. They're buying up Linux. They don't pay taxes, and they expect the town to give them all their services. Pretty soon, they'll take over the town government and call it Linux Speaks. Which is funny, because we just talked to somebody who was there, and he said about the same thing. Yeah, actually, um, I had a conversation with someone I found um, who was there, but wasn't I think attended a couple services, but wasn't ever actually part of the church, um, but had lived in Linux at the time and owned a business. Um, and he had told me that there was a lot of concern um, in that they were really going to take over the town. Like Carl would tell people how to vote. Oh yeah. Um, and he would tell them. So like they, when you get that many people in an influx and that big of a population jump, and you've got somebody in charge of all of them telling them what to do, that there was a lot of concern that they were going to create this huge voting block, that it really was going to overtake what the traditional population of Lennox would have wanted. Well, my concern isn't unfounded. I'm going to jump into it later, but the Rajneeshis did that pretty successfully. Yeah. And that's actually a great segue into the other part of the article. Uh, so last spring, the organization moved its international headquarters here from Maine. As a result, the 500 members of the Bible Speaks have increased the population of Lenox nearly 10% to 5,700 persons, and that 350 members of the group have registered to vote that now represent 9.4% of the town's registered voters. So they moved in and immediately became almost 10% of the town's registered voters. I'd be terrified. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's, when you're talking about a town that small, 10% is a big deal. Yep, yeah. I, I can see why they were nervous. I would also be nervous. Yeah, I think I would be too. All right, chugging right along. December 27th, 76. This is another Daniel Keating article from the Berkshire Eagle. God bless him. It's called, The Pastor is a Good Businessman. Today, the man who says he discovered Christ at the age of 23 started his first church nine years later with a congregation of 12 and has only three years of correspondence courses for his formal religious training, stands at the head of an international religious empire. His organization has drawn more than 600 followers to Berkshire County in the past year and has purchased about 133 Berkshire County acres for $1.1 million. So there's your price tag. That's a lot of money. Sure is. Just, just for the purchases, let alone the upkeep Taxes. and the renovations and the upgrades that they did, which to their credit, um, from what we have been told from people who were there, they actually did a lot of good things to that property oh for sure and they did take very good care of the property at least and, and again we've heard that from multiple people who were there regardless of how you feel about carl or the church being there i would imagine that that them taking good care of that property on the positive side probably had a good impact on property values in the area well as we've kind of discussed appearances were everything to them so I'm sure they put everything into making it appear nice. Well, as long as nobody came to church and heard him tell them they'll get cancer of the throat if they disagree with them, sure. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> uh, it continues on. 
Seated on an easy chair in his office in the administration building at the former Lennox Bordentown School, he discussed in a wide-ranging interview such topics as his schedule, which takes him 300,000 miles a year in the Bible Speaks helicopter, its six-passenger single-engine airplane, and his own Lincoln Continental, his religious philosophy, which he frequently tempered with non-theological statements, his family life with his wife, Barbara, and their four children in the simple apartment they have in the Bible Speaks dormitory. That didn't last long. And his self-reported salary of $200 a week, which he was more than willing to discuss, more than the finances of his own organization. I mean, that might be what he was getting from the church, but there's no way he was only personally raking in $200 a week. Uh-uh. No. No. Uh- <laughs> I, I think they just said that, like, perfectly. His yes. religious philosophy, which he frequently tempered with non-theological statements. I it He was very, very good at this, uh, to give him some sort of credit, I guess. In You ever heard the expression, like, the skin of the truth stuffed in a lie, or a lie stuffed in the skin of a truth, something like that? Mom used to say it all the time. <laughs> that is a very disturbing phrase if you think about it too long. But that he was very good at that because he would say something that, yes, was true. But then he would just slip in something and twist it just enough that what he slipped in there wasn't really accurate. But because he couched it in something that was, mm-hmm. it was very easy to slip by people. The sign of a master manipulator. Yeah. They do their thing. Uh, It goes on to say one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life, which is a brown-eyed man with rust-colored hair and graying sideburns who favors Gucci loafers and natty clothes. Mr. Stevens received his only formal religious training in three years of correspondence courses with the Moody Bible Institute of Chicago. We're going to find out later that that is not true. In June, he received an honorary doctorate of theology degree from the Clarksville, Tennessee School of Theology, which, if you look it up, was just a building. Not a thing. Yes, and and let's talk about this because Carl did not earn a degree from Clarksville. He actually paid for a degree from Clarksville. <laughs> sure did. For $160 from the Clarksville School of Theology, which I think was like, yeah, like in the basement of a house or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually described um, in a newspaper article as a diploma mill put out of business by the state. <laughs> that was as it should have been actually actually I, I correct myself it was in the watchman fellowship report that that came oh gotcha but it that was something that we were also told um by people who were there as well that that they actually went to the quote-unquote clarksville school and it was not a school <laughs> shocking yeah uh this part is interesting from the article as well i think it talks about something that we've mentioned but Uh, His answer as to why the Bible Speaks, a non-denominational group, is able to attract such a large number of devoted followers is that in more traditional religious organizations based on doctrine, this is what he said. People are condemned for how they look and dress. People want to feel right with God, but they haven't been treated that way and haven't been told how. I think the key want in life is love. It's rich coming from him, honestly. Although he did love to love Um, lots of people. Yeah, he loved to love people, and he loved to love money and things. And being all-knowing and in power of everything. Anyways. But I think what he loved most of all was the devotion and the, how do I put this, the adoration. He mm-hmm. li- I, I don't for a second doubt that he enjoyed being on that pedestal. Oh, for sure he did. I'm sure he was like, oh, no, no. But in reality, 
Well, and he was like multiple times. You'll see it later on where he would say, I never encouraged that. I never encouraged that. And then you listen to his sermons and he absolutely encouraged that. Even if he didn't, he certainly basked in it. Oh, for sure. But he did encourage it. <laughs> uh, he sure did. Uh, the core of the Bible Speak Success, Pastor Stevens maintains, is that it helps fill the empty void that people feel when they leave strictly secular lives or lives that include involvement with dead churches. The Bible Speaks, he says, is predicated on unconditional love and teaching people how to live life to the fullest. Yeah, which would be great, except his idea of unconditional love is we will love you if you toe the line and you know, live up to our standards and our expectation and living life to the fullest really meant giving everything you had to the church, your your life, your time, your money, your family, all of it. That was living life to the fullest. You don't need worldly possessions. You just need Carl. I'm God. Carl. God. Carl. Which one? Both? Um. Well, it depends on who you ask, I guess. <laughs> They're the same thing. It was a trick question. I know. I just know. kidding. Uh, so that's 1976. They're there. Nobody likes it. Who was already there? It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, there's a couple things to add to that. Um, we were told that they couldn't move everyone to Lennox all at once. Mm. Um, but there was a big rush to move there anyway. So it does kind of sound like they weren't necessarily trying to get everybody to come at the same time, but that's kind of how it ended up. Uh, People wanted to be where Pastor was. Yes. Yes. Um, and also, at the, by that point, there probably wasn't a whole lot of room left in South Berwick because it certainly seems like they crammed an awful lot of people onto that campus. Well, it also sounds like, too, that it wasn't just people from South Berwick. It was probably other neighboring churches that were like, oh, this place is bigger. We can actually go here because there wasn't room in South Berwick. That is true. That is true. So it's probably satellite churches, too. And also, it seems like it was quite the property. Like, we've been told there was an amazing library on the corner. There was an infirmary on the campus. There were apartments on the main campus that families lived in, which, you know, as a kid, I can see where at least part of that would be cool because that's how it was for us growing up in South Berwick. We There were families that lived in apartments on the main campus, and it was fun to have other kids around. Maybe not as fun to have so many parents around, but at that time, based on what we've been told and also hearing Dan and Jamie's story, it does sound like there wasn't necessarily a ton of parental supervision. <laughs> but when you look at the number of things they had going on that people were expected to participate in, it's no wonder. Right. It's no wonder. I mean, these parents probably didn't even barely had time to sleep, let alone be parents. Well, and some of the children were, were enrolled, it seems like, full time at the school in Scarborough still. Um, well, not the ones that were in Lennox. No, not the Lennox was, but a, a lot of parents did have children they left behind there, it seems like. I don't know. I, well, I, I'll get there in a second. The next article I have kind of... Okay. Are, are 76 good? <laughs> are we good on 76? Yeah, I think 76 is good. They moved. Everybody kind of flooded in. And it sounds like pretty quickly they were concerning the people who had actually lived there. <laughs> Understandably so, too. Yeah. All right. So 1977. In May of 1977, the Boston Phoenix article, Peddling the Word of God, came out. And God bless them. We're going to be going a little bit back into the past for a minute here, but they answered some questions that we have had. They dug deep 
Like, who, lordy, we got stuff to talk about. I also want to say the second headline is the gospel according to Stevens, which is also hilarious. Okay, so they start out with a couple quotes. One is from the Bible Speaks Book of Miracles, not the article, but the actual booklet. And we actually just heard this the other day somewhere else, so it's funny this came up. But this is how the Book of Miracles made by the Bible Speaks opens up. This is the first thing it says. What was it like to walk with Jesus, to see his smile, to be looked upon with that piercing glance, and to hear his precious voice speak those sanctified words? What was it like to laugh with him, to cry with him, to eat with him, and to be his friend? Those in the Bible speak stopped wondering years ago. To know Pastor Stevens is to know Christ. To love the pastor is to love the one who gave him to us. Oh, Yeah. Every time I hear that or I read that, it's something of a gut punch. Like, it, oh, no. What gets me the most about it is that they it isn't something someone said offhand. It's something someone wrote and edited and approved for printing. <laughs> Well, and let's be real, I don't believe for a hot second that the Bible Speaks printed anything that didn't have Carl's approval on it. Oh, I'm sure. And whether he read it or not fully is kind of irrelevant. There's no way that anybody did that outside of the covering of the man of God. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, It's also, it's followed by two other quotes. One from uh, Philip W., a psychologist and a parent of two children that he had withdrawn from that Southern Maine Christian school. He also went to the Bible Speaks in Scarborough. It says, Carl Stevens is beginning to believe all of those things about himself. He has a monumental ego. He cannot tolerate being overshadowed. Mm -hmm. Accurate. And another by a former parishioner who went unnamed. Probably wise. Why Carl Stevens can make you believe the moon is made out of green cheese. The people following him are brainwashed. He has a power almost like that fellow who just left and went back to Korea, that moon fellow. They worship him and therefore will do anything for him moonies and sadly that was most mostly true oh yeah and even worse he had a lot of people fooled because there were a lot of people that i think didn't even realize that that was what was happening to them oh for sure not yeah a lot of people wouldn't um voluntarily put themselves in that position but these cult leaders man they got it they got it going on yeah It's interesting to me in the research I've done, and you and I have listened to some similar podcasts, quite a few of these leaders start off with something that honestly either was good or appeared good. Mm -hmm. It's very deceptive when you look at it, but it goes to, it just goes to the point. People who end up in these things are not stupid. Uh Uh-uh. And they're not gullible, mostly. I mean, obviously, anytime you've got something like this going on, you've probably got a few. Right. But they're not stupid and they're not gullible. Most of them are kind, generous people who want to believe, who want to have faith, and who want to do good things for their community. And the thing that kills me the most about leaders like Carl and others like them is that they twist in all this weird crap. (laughs) Like like a frog with the water slowly bearing turn up and they don't realize it yeah. until it's too late. Yeah, for sure. And they take advantage of the goodwill and the open-hearted faith of people who really are looking for something. And they're promising to deliver something that isn't what they're actually getting. Yeah, yeah. And he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. There's a little chunk of this which kind of explains some money to us. So yeah, 
It says, thanks to the generosity of his followers who send money to six daily radio programs and drop checks into plastic collection buckets. I remember those. Ours were wicker, though, I think. Yes, they were. Uh, Stephen's, Stephen's empire has grown considerably in the past four years. In one newspaper interview, The Bible Speaks put its income at $750,000 a year. It also says in Maine and Massachusetts, The Bible Speaks has been purchasing large white elephant properties, usually bankrupt or financially troubled private schools at bargain prices. So that answers some of our questions about how they were getting these these places. Well, yeah, they were. My understanding is is that they both for South Berwick and for Lennox, they were looking for that kind of a property Mm -hmm. um, and they got it. It does also mention this article that that, uh, his Lincoln Continental, the license plate. It was a vanity plate, and it just said "word." Is that like "word to the Father"? No, I don't know. I think it's so fun. "Word." I think it means like "word of God." Word, gospel. I don't know. I, I see that, and all I can think of is the DCT, the DC Talk song "Word to the Father." The gospel according to Carl. Yeah. Okay. Goes on to say the army thing that I was telling you about earlier. The Bible speaks is structured like an army, a metaphor Stevens himself sometimes uses, calling himself God's five star general. I remember that. Yes, he did. I remember that. Yeah. The young. I remember that. It's still weird. It was weird then. It's weird now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the young pastors are to obey Stevens without question, and the pastor's sheep are to obey their local pastors. One is never to doubt, contradict, question, or criticize a superior officer. Mm-hmm. The gospel, according to Carl Stevens, has its own vocabulary, a set of code words which are sprinkled liberally throughout his sermons and which are, at first, difficult for the outsider to understand. In some cases, terms seem conveniently vague. Meanings can shift as the occasion dictates. One key to Stevens' teaching is God's plan. The evangelical mission of the Bible speaks to save souls in the final days before the approaching apocalypse. Stevens himself apparently says no one knows when the end will be, but students at the Bible school say they are taught that biblical prophecy suggests the end will come in 1988, following seven years of tribulation, which born-again believers will be spared. I think that's very interesting. They put a date on it. I I mean, I was young. I don't really remember there being a date on it, but I just remember that there was always this push that... God's coming soon. You got to save souls. God's coming soon. You, you like, oh yeah. You know, again with the whole, it, it it wasn't like said like a joyful thing. It was almost like a fear factor to motivate you to go do more. Oh, it's like a threat. Yeah, we can. That, yeah, that could be a whole episode on its own. But that kind of thing was so depressing for me as a kid. Like, why why bother trying if we're all gonna be gone? Yeah, that's how it played off to me. I will I will say I really appreciate that they brought out that he would say things that were difficult to understand or conveniently vague. Yes. One of my biggest questions in life still now is what the heck is a categorical doctrine? <laughs> because if you don't have categories, you don't have the whole word of God. And I am not even being sarcastic. I'd really like to know what he meant by that. And I have listened to multiple sermons now and I where supposedly he defined it, but that definition was so vague, I have no idea what he's talking about still. I think that's, that's uh, yeah, I don't think he even knew sometimes what he was talking about. He just started talking. <laughs> considering considering some of the rumblings we've heard that he didn't always write his own sermons, I guess that might be true. Oh, yeah, we've heard a lot about that. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> uh, going onward, I like this part because it reminds me of my childhood rebellion and its opposites 
humility, submission, brokenness, and obedience are frequent sermon themes, along with persecution, which Stephen seems to see everywhere, even in the decisions of the Lennox Zoning Board and in newspaper stories. I'd be willing to bet that zoning board decision had to do with the hangers. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure that there are things that they wanted to do that Lennox was like, please, please no, please don't. Oh, it's so funny. So for those who don't know, when you want to do something with a property, most of the time you go to a planning board. And if the planning board denies you, there is a zoning board of appeals where you can go and plead your case mm. to either grant an exception or to determine that maybe the decision was not the correct one. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently if it wasn't correct, that was Satan. So, yeah, Carl. Stevens conjoles. Cajoles, yeah. I know. I, it's, I'm tired. Stevens cajoles <laughs> and exhorts his followers to relinquish their wills completely to him. The whole system of sin starts with rebellion. I don't agree with everything he, the pastor, says. I don't go along with that. What is that? Stevens' voice rises angrily. I'm not going to do that because my voice hurts too bad. C- calling God's government a liar? Calling Jesus Christ's program wrong? He just... That, that is not... Those two things, that's like apples to oranges. Also, what's God's government? What's that? Since when? I don't know. But when you are questioning whether or not something the pastor, who, like it or not, is still a human being, has said, because you want to make, you know, and it could just be a thing if you want to make sure you got it right. When you're asking questions of the pastor or something that was said, that does not equate to calling God's government a liar. (laughs) Or calling Jesus Christ's program wrong. First of all, to say that Jesus Christ had a program, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that is weird, huh? That is really weird. It's kind of strange. Wording. But also, those two things are not, those things do not equal out. No. Shocking. Again, once again, I'm shocked. Completely floored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this part, he actually name dropped somebody, and I was kind of blown away by that. I shouldn't have been, but I was. Uh, so those who rebel or speak against Stevens and the Bible speaks will be punished severely by God. Stevens once prophesied or often prophesied. As one former parishioner described the teaching, either you agree with the pastor or God will get you. In a December sermon, Stevens told the story of a man who cursed him and who shortly afterward contracted cancer of the tongue. So here's that origin story, guys. I found it. As the pastor tells it, this man who had been drinking crashed into the pastor's car got out and cursed the pastor and then condemned and cursed him from door to door for three days. Within three months from that day, he went to the doctor and the doctor told him he had cancer of the tongue. His name is, I'm not even saying his first name. I'm not going to do that. He shouldn't have said that. His tongue got worse and worse. Then they made a hole in his voice box. Before the end, Stephen says, the man said, I'm sorry I cursed you, preacher. Please take my kids to Sunday school. I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it. Also, Let's talk about cancer of the tongue, because if you want to talk about cancer of the tongue, that could describe the things that Carl said that he slipped into the middle of a truth that were not accurate to control and manipulate people. Because control, manipulation, and fear tactics are cancer. And if it is coming off your tongue, technically, you could consider a lot of what he said cancer of the tongue. Lita's coming for blood today, guys. She's she's not having it. She's here to fight. I'm not having it because I really can't stand when people, I can't stand people who lie and manipulate the truth to begin with. But when somebody does it in the name of God, it bothers me so badly. I just can't. I'm with you. I feel it. I also, 
it, this confirms that he was name dropping people from the altar because we've talked about this we didn't have confirmation now we know oh yes now we know for sure yeah. it happened and i'll be honest there were there were many times that he didn't even have to drop the name everybody knew what he was talking about oh yeah no for sure but still the fact that he was ballsy enough to just like say these things oh my god mm. uh Another part of this article gives us a little bit of interesting information that we couldn't find in the beginning. You guys have to understand the amount of information we've had to go through is like mind numbing. We're still not technically done. I've at least divided it up into locations now. And even the things we've cataloged have little snippets like this. Right. That we wouldn't have known were there. Like you really have to be reading carefully to catch them. Yeah. I wish I found this sooner. Apologize in advance. But this talks about his childhood just a little bit. I know we're kind of jumbling things up, but this is interesting and important. Uh, so it talks about when he was born in West Sumner, Maine. But it says, we didn't know this before, he was the youngest of seven children and named Carl Henry Stevens after his father, who died three years later. So now we know what happened to his dad. According to an older sister, Mrs. Irene E., he was always the center of attention and quite a talker. The seven, <laughs> she, right? <laughs> that's, I'm sorry. That's so weird. I can't even imagine. <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, the seven Stevens children were raised in the Universalist Church, which they were taken to by their mother. He wasn't particularly religious, recalled Mrs. E. He always was just an ordinary person. I think that's interesting. I think that's very interesting. I get the feeling that he wanted to be anything but ordinary. Yeah. Well, it's, I just think it's it's fascinating that he wasn't interested in religion until it suited him. I, I will say, I, I have to give him, I begrudgingly give him a little credit, because it appears he was very smart in reading the zeitgeist of the time. Oh, 100%. Capitalizing on it. For sure. Uh, in 1960, at the age of 31, Stevens decided to go into the ministry. He apparently became ordained after serving as a lay preacher in the Baptist Church in North Paris, Maine. That answers the question we had before. His only theological training appears to have been acquired on the job. Though Stevens has memorized much of the Bible and displays extraordinary recall. And we talked about that once. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, I've heard that. I was actually listening to a sermon the other day and I started just pulling up the scriptures that he was whipping off and the majority of them actually were what he said they were, which surprised me because once he got rattling, I was thinking, there's no way he's just throwing this out there. And I was taken aback that a lot of the ones he was referencing, I mean, there were a couple that weren't entirely accurate, but given the number, you know, the percentage of how accurate he was, uh, you know, Hmm. It makes me wonder if he had a photographic memory. Either that or who's a little bit of a savant. Yeah, that could be too. Uh, this addresses the Moody Bible thing. So he has claimed in the past that he attended the Moody Bible Institute, a prestigious evangelical school. When the Phoenix contacted that institute, however, the, the school's registrar... I can't... These are, these are big words. The school's registrar responded that there was no record of Carl Henry Stevens Jr. having graduated from, attended or taking correspondence courses through Moody. So that answers that question we had. Nothing. He had no interaction with Moody. Didn't happen. Recently, the Bible Speaks has reputedly told some reporters that it had been by error that Stevens was listed as a graduate of the Institute in the 1976 Stevens School for Bible Catalog. A more recent issue of the catalog, however, still contains courses with the Institute amongst Stevens' credentials. Hmm... 
He also claimed to be professionally trained on radio, which they could not find any proof of. And this, this, you're going to love this. It appears that Stevens was likewise a student of psychology, as the 1976 catalog calls him, on the job. He counts personal counseling and treatment of the mentally ill among his specialties. No. In one... No. No. <laughs> She's not no, bad, guys. No. She's not having it. <laughs> In one of the more unusual publications put out by the Bible Speaks, The Psychology of Schizophrenia, Stevens claims to have cured hopeless cases. One case spent $22,000 in eight months being confined to a mental institution. This individual was taking eight powerful pills a day and was not being helped one bit by three brilliant secular psychiatrists. This individual was delivered in only 30 minutes with Carl. Like, get out. Okay. Go off of Lita. You got this. Hear, hear me when I say, if you are seeing somebody for counseling of any kind, you best check out their credentials. Mm -hmm. Please check them out. Do your due diligence because going to see somebody who is claims to be professionally trained and is not can be far more harmful than good. Oh, yes. There are a lot of pastors who are wonderful at counseling on, how do I put this? I don't want to say minor, but relatively minor life issues, okay? That certainly can help walk you through some things. But when you are talking about mental illnesses like schizophrenia, which by the way, I have laid eyes on that book and I couldn't even finish the first paragraph. I thought I was going to lose my mind reading it. Nobody, nobody should be claiming to be able to cure any kind of mental illness, first of all, because, you know, anybody who knows anything about what mental illness knows that, yes, technically, it, it, you can kind of be like in remission, I guess. You can overcome it. You can overcome it. You can be in remission. You can learn ways to cope with it. Mm -hmm. But to say that you delivered somebody in only 30 minutes from schizophrenia, mm -mm 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 -mm. get out of here. Get out with that. Like, no, just no, 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 straight to jail. You know, I, 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 that, and to me, that, oh, mm -hmm. nope, can't go there. That's going to be a whole other conversation, but I just, she's mad guys. I wouldn't even say mad, but I mean, you have a right to be mad. It, the absolute unmitigated gall <laughs> to claim that you can cure somebody of mental diseases when you have absolutely no training in that whatsoever is downright dangerous. Here's my question. What do you think? At this point, do you think he actually believed that he could do that? Yeah, I do. Interesting. I think he truly believed he could do a lot of what he said. I've been on the fence about it. Because he, I'm not because you... If you don't 100% buy into what you're selling, you don't have the kind of confidence he had. Like I think in the beginning though he knew that he was just a dude. I don't I don't know. I haven't landed anywhere on that. No, but by this point, by this point I think he'd gotten away with so much. That's true. That I think the grandiosity, like there was just no limit to it. Well, he was surrounded by yes men. Because by this point, by this point you had people saying things like to walk with Carl is to know what it's like to walk with God. When you've got people that wrapped into what you're doing, you probably could say the moon was made of cheese and they would believe you. Like, Boy. straight up. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, the article gives us a little bit more information about um, Carl leaving 
Marquis Cassett. I'm going to keep it really brief because we're already deeply into this episode and we're still only two years in. Uh, it confirms that he was lowered out of the second story church window by his right hand man. It talks about how he left um, and it says that he was fired. It has multiple quotes from people that were there and they said that they do not want him back in Maine at all. But he told people that he left on friendly terms. Yep, not didn't <laughs> happen. Uh, it divided his own family. We talked about this. His oldest daughter and his son-in-law did not follow him to South Berwick. They stayed there. Um, the arson confirms that. Stevens told reporters the fireman said it's a personal grudge. Sure. Maybe because you slept with someone's wife, allegedly. So so you're telling me on one, out of one side of your mouth that you left on friendly terms, but yet on the other side, you're telling us that the fire was set as a grudge. Yeah. Like those two things don't go together. Apparently Stevens was given a polygraph test in relation to the arson, by the way. Where'd you see that? It's in this article. It's the next one down. The, uh, the official investigation produced evidence and no arrests. According to reliable sources, Stevens himself was given a polygraph test, which <gasps> cleared him as a suspect. But I think it's super interesting. that They were like, yeah, no, come in here. We're having this interview right now. Apparently there's no secret who set the fire up there. I mean, like, yeah, we've and we've heard some legend too, and some names tossed around that we will not say here because we absolutely have not been able to corroborate any of it. No. Um, other than to say, we've heard enough to say it's pretty safe to say, based on all these reports and all the stories that have come down, that definitely this fire was not an accident. <laughs> No. Of any kind. Uh, it goes on to talk about the alleged affairs, which there seem to be many of. Uh, one woman said it seemed he had an activity every night. Many times the woman was a devout follower and the husband was not. Interesting. Yep. There's several first-hand accounts of men whose wives had affairs with Carl. A pastor who was there at the time said that Carl always had a fear of people turning against him, so he'd play people against each other, which is interesting. I think that, mm -hmm. that continues on later on. Uh, it talks about the showdown where a bunch of people came and wanted to confront him. And that's when he was finally like confronted and had to kind of leave. That's the, the rear window exit. Let's, let's point out too that the Book of Miracles, their own book, their own publication actually contends that the men who burned the church confessed to the crime. So by TBS's own publications, they're calling it an arson. Yeah, I think it's... Um, and I will, take, I will take this moment to put an ad out there if anybody has a copy of the Book of Miracles, I would love to get my hands on it and we can negotiate. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's one missing piece of the puzzle for us. We've been trying to get our hands on that thing. And we just, we saw a copy talking to someone who lives far from us. And it was like, ah. we, know, we know they're out there. They exist. And we very much would like to read it. <laughs> Uh, one other notable thing from Wiscasset. I thought this was very interesting. This is a quote by Alden B. There were many different sides of him. Carl. One time he was quiet and serene, and another he was fearful and criticizing people. Another person with intimate knowledge of Stevens said, I think he has an extraordinary power over people, an innate gift. Certain kinds of people definitely want to please him. They practically lay down and let him walk over them. But there were people who immediately disliked him, usually more educated, independent-minded people. Oof. But the others, these people were very pliable. They weren't against being told what to do. These are people who want someone to guide their lives. He had an urge to have control over people's minds more, more than their money. So this person contends it was more about control than the money itself. Well, the thing of it is, though, when you control people's minds, you get everything else with it. Right. 
He wanted control over the group to be the vaunted leader. It was an ego trip. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It talks about the abuse in the Scarborough school. Apparently, that included beatings, children being made to wash the floors at night, to polish the walls and pews, sleep on bed springs without mattresses, children being hit with rulers, hearing screams from various classrooms. It was a common thing. Like, oof. Oh, my God. It sounds like those, um, like those reform schools, like the Paris Hilton one almost. Well, I mean, you know, obviously in our conversation with Jamie and Dan, that came up that there were parents of troubled kids who sent their school. Um, who sent their kids there. Right. But you still can't beat them. It sounds like they were given carte blanche to do a lot of things that they shouldn't have been doing. Mm -hmm. You're going to love this one. This one talks about an incident that included the Veterans Administration investigation of the school Stevens established in South Berwick after his exit from Wisconsin. Interesting. According to a VA spokesman in Maine, the investigation revealed the Bible Speaks had submitted incorrect reports and had consequently received improper payments for veterans attending the school. The reportedly attending full-time students were in fact not doing so, the VA discovered. The VA stopped allowing its benefits to go to the school that year. That's very interesting. Right? Because there are, when anytime you're talking about the VA, there's a lot of guidelines involved. And yeah, you do, you do have to follow their reporting guidelines, like, to the letter. That's very interesting. They also intervened, the VA, uh, in the case of Dennis S., a 27-year-old mentally ill Vietnam veteran. He is now being represented by a court-appointed legal guardian. The Bible speaks, according to the lawyer, held and used Dennis S.'s money and possessions, a new car, a stereo, and a bicycle, even though aware that, that S. was unable to make decisions for himself. Oof. Though S. was supposed to be taking medication prescribed when he left the v Veterans Hospital, Clark says he has, Clark's a lawyer, he has reason to believe the Bible Speaks discouraged him from doing so. And that, I mean, ooh, spoils my biscuit. If you look at the article above and if you look at his booklet on schizophrenia, that would not surprise me at all. I just hate it. I, I, hate it. I just hate it. It makes me so upset. This is just out. This is abusive. It is. It's totally abusive. It is. And as someone who needs uh, psychological medication to just like function, I can't. If you are all about love, then why are you depriving someone of something they need to survive? Because Carl wanted everybody to be dependent on him above all things, including medication. It's just really upsetting. And I know that kind of thing. It is extremely upsetting. Like, it's, he's not the only one that did this. It happens in a lot of religions. But, like, geez, that really gets to me. I have a hard time. It is extremely upsetting. And, and you know, since we're on this topic, like, that that's such a thing. I had postpartum depression after one of my kids. Mm -hmm. And I ended up on medication for a little bit. And I remember being told to keep that quiet because the church's position at the time on that sort of thing was not favorable to my being medicated. And I remember just looking at that person saying, well, that's ridiculous. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, like postpartum depression is nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. No. You know, needing to take medication to regulate your body and your hormones, um, especially after having multiple kids in succession, there's no shame in that. And there's nothing I did wrong. No, same here with just the depression pills. Like, yeah, it's the age old argument of like, you wouldn't get mad at someone for getting treatment with cancer. Why would you get mad at them for treating a, a brain illness? 
Yeah. And taking, taking medication to regulate my body does not mean I didn't trust God. Right. Not at all. Not at all. Well, and if God is perfect and made things the way that he wanted to make them, maybe he made the people that made the medications. I'm just saying. Maybe he, he gave them the gift to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, certainly, he. I'm sure he, he did. <laughs> you know? And there's also scripture about taking care of your temple. Well, you know, if you need medication because something's not right in your temple, a.k.a. your body, then take it. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I'm 100% with you. It's really bothersome. Uh, but that ends our trip down memory lane. Sorry for that, like, 20 to 30 minute sidetrack. But I just found that article and I had to include it because it answered so many questions that we had. Yeah. So many questions. No, and I think it really, you know, as part of the history, yes, we're talking about the building and the property and the things. But also, we're building on how we got from point A to where we are today. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that building has to do with the mindset and the control and the manipulation and the progression of that. Yep. So we do include that in this timeline because it's important to not just talk about where they went and how they got there and how they got the money, but also how this mindset progressed to the point where people were under, for lack of a better word, under his spell as much as they were. Right. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah. All right. We're back in 1977, folks. Uh, a little snippet from Jim Fawcett, who we quoted in the TBS episode. Whose name, by the way, we we are we do feel comfortable saying because he has put it out there in multiple places on his own, of his own accord. Yes, he chose to put it out there under his own name. Some people didn't. We're going to get to one of those. Um, but, you know, and Jim, if you're out there, please contact us if you'd like to. Um, hopefully it's okay. But we feel comfortable using it. He put it out there. So here we are. Uh, he says about a meeting he went to one night all the favorites were there and carl too and terry z and i want you to remember that name terry z we're going to come back to this probably in the next episode at this point but we're going to come back to this later at one point i saw him enter one of the residence rooms alone with her and close the door behind him and it brought back the memory of when i had waited some 15 years earlier for him outside of her house in maine Another pastor friend told of how he had been recruited by Carl to guard the door for Carl and Terry in a room alone at a conference in London in 1977. Still another tells of leaving the ministry after he and his wife saw Carl emerging from the room where Terry was staying in Shermerhorn in Lennox. Shermerhorn's the name of the building. This was not in itself enough for me. I couldn't see through the doors. All I knew was appearance. This was the same pastor who always taught us to leave the door open when you're in a room alone with a woman. So that is 100% true. Yes. That was part of why I had such a hard time coming home from Baltimore, because even though I'd known the person I was coming home with for years, because he was a guy and I was a girl, it was a big to do. Uh huh. And I think it's interesting. It's a firsthand account that someone put their name to of seeing Carl be inappropriate with women. We've got plenty of stories, but this is someone who put their name to it. So I think that's important and worth noting. Yeah, this is where we start getting into the progression of more people and probably because there were a lot of people there it probably became harder and harder to hide bad behavior. Uh-huh. So this is this is the point in the story in, in where people, I think, have settled in and now they're starting to see some things that are troubling or disturbing. So this one is an uncorroborated story um, that is on the internet. I've seen it in multiple places, but unfortunately this person did not sign it. So this is here what they would call hearsay. 
allegedly um, simply because we have never been able to find the person to corroborate what they're saying. And we're only telling it to establish what was starting to become a pattern of behavior. Um, and it, and it kind of goes to that pattern. Um, but it was somebody who was close to Stevens who saw things. Um, supposedly there was a secret room um, adjacent to a wrap room at one of the buildings in Lenox. Um, this particular person was close enough that they had a key to the room that they saw Carl meet with females in that room very often every day. Um, they saw inappropriate behavior um, with among those between Carl and this person. And sadly, this supposedly was while his first wife was still alive and not doing well, which is just disturbing beyond words. Well, if you think about it, even if it was Cassett, this was happening. So that unfortunately is not surprising. Yeah, like this is right. I think this is where people started to catch on, you know, where maybe in Wiscasset and even in South Park a little bit, not everybody lived on the property. Not right. everybody lived super close. So not everybody saw things. But now we're getting to where there's such communal living happening that I think it was very difficult to ignore. Um, I do think we can note this is a secretary. She, The person who made it yeah. calls it a secretary story. So this person worked directly for Carl, allegedly. Yeah. And allegedly she and another person who eventually became a pastor. I, I don't know if he was a pastor at the time, but it eventually became a pastor. Both saw a lot. Um, they both saw inappropriate behavior and she's just saying this is only two incidents out of hundreds of incidents that she witnessed between 78 and 84 in Lenox. You know, she would, if you ask if I saw them doing things they shouldn't, the answer would be no. Um, in terms of actually seeing the act, morning, having sex. Yeah. <laughs> We're all adults here, right? I hope. Well, I hope so. Um, At this point, I hope it's no kids here. My goodness. But they did, you know, they were seen going into a bedroom together, coming out in the morning. He was seen unlocking the bedroom door and going in during the night. Supposedly, there were earrings pulled out of his bed in the morning. There were Polaroid photographs, which, my goodness, if you are going to be in that position, for heaven's sakes, why would you take photographs and leave them around? That's ridiculous. It shows how cocky he was. He didn't think anything could take him down. That's that is that is bordering on stupidity, cocky. Yeah, well, that <laughs> happens. This person was asked to do a lot of things they didn't feel comfortable doing, um, including spying on people and reporting back to him, um, reporting on fee particular females that he was interested in, going through people's waste baskets to find evidence that people might be going to other churches, which I guess. If you're looking for evidence, my assumption would be they'd be looking either for bulletins or for notes, because mm -hmm. certainly the people who went there were trained to take notes on the sermons that they listened to. I just want to clarify real fast. Those Polaroid photos uh, were not just seductive positions. They Those were there, too, but it was mostly naked girls. And that is disturbing. To me. Allegedly. Allegedly, according to this person. That I just... Which I, I, I'm disappointed in Carl. Ooh, that's a hard one because why would why why would you do that? Uh, yeah, they were sent to spy in the windows of a place called the Ice House in Lee, because Carl found out a group was meeting there to discuss the CRI report and the abuse of spiritual authority issues. 
which certainly there was a core group that did have issue with the abuse of spiritual authority issues and really did want to implement a lot of what the CRI report um, recommended. And Carl was none too pleased about that. So that part I would say is probably pretty accurate. This person said, I do not fear God for myself. However, for a long time after I left, I did think I was going to come down with a sickness or die. And how terrible, like really how terrible. Yeah, we're leaving 1977 now with that, but I think it's important to mention for sure because that's a recurring theme too. Finally, while driving home from work one night, I just screamed out to God, okay, if you're going to kill me, do it now because I'm so sick of living under this fear. It would be better to be dead than live like this. Go ahead, do it now or forget it. And I I have to say this, this is not the first time we've heard this. We've been told this in person by other people, multiple other people, similar stories. Oh, yeah. Of when they finally found the courage to not go or to go somewhere else, they were legitimately terrified that something bad was going to happen to them. That you want to talk about manipulation and control and mind control. Mm hmm. And from somebody who claimed to have the cure for mental illness, man, he certainly instilled an awful lot in people, (laughs) an awful lot of mental anguish in people. That's true. It really... And I thought it was important to include this part. Oh, sorry. Close my mind. No, No, it's fine. It just blows my mind. I could have put that in later, but I think people started leaving around this time. So it's kind of important to just kind of slot that in there with the rest of her, her testimony, because this is about when people start catching on, not everyone, but some people were like, what is this? And people start questioning what's happening. And I think that's probably a good place, like to segue to the next year section of this, because it didn't take long. It didn't take long for people to start catching on. I think in a lot of ways coming to Lennox really was part of his downfall because when you do put all that many people into a small town, a small, you know, even though the property was large, you're talking about a lot of people in a small space, really. Listen, the burkers are surrounded by mountains. Like you're, you're secluded. right. It gets harder to hide mm-hmm. things and it gets harder to convince people that what they're seeing isn't what they're seeing. Yep. And this was where, unfortunately, I think the beginning of the wheels coming off the train started to happen as well was with this move. I think like most people, like when you look at places like Jonestown, you know, and a lot of cults do the same thing where they move everybody to one compound or one place because they think that they have better control when they're there. And to some degree they do, but also you open yourself up. If you're not careful, you can really open yourself up to people figuring you out pretty darn quick. And that seems to be what happened here. You know, it's so funny that you bring up Jonestown because the next thing I was going to say was that in 1978, culturally speaking, a very important thing happened. November 18th, 1978, the Jim Jones, Jonestown mass murder of the People's Temple, left 900 plus people dead. And I think that probably scared the bejesus out of people around this church. To see that a group kind of like Carl's that grew really fast, was kind of unhinged, uh, would move into places and take them over. I- I don't know. I don't know if you could have scared them any more than they already were at this point. I mean, they'd already been told. I th- I think that's that to leave. But that had never happened before. Yes. 
but they were basically assured and brainwashed to believe that their safety and security was with staying with Carl. No, I mean, for people that were around the church, like people that lived in like Lennox. Oh, around. Oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Around, that we're not part of the church. Oh, I'm sure. Because they're already upset that they're there. It's the same kind of situation. And now all of a sudden this other group that's similar, all of them are dead. Like my yeah. brain would pop. I'm sure that was horrifying for them. Yeah, that would, that for sure, if I was living near something like that, that would definitely give me pause. Absolutely. A big pause. A big pause. A big pause. The other part of 1978 that's important, not a lot happened in 78 if we're being real, but uh, Carl's first wife, Barbara Stevens, died of leukemia, which by all accounts was very sad. He did apparently love her very much. Uh, Didn't stop him from cheating on her, I guess, but he did love her. He did take care of her. Allegedly. Well... (laughs) People that we trust attest to that. So, I i mean, it's possible to love more than one person, I suppose. But, you know, that's sad. That's sad. And I i hope she had at least as good of a life as she could have before the end there. Yeah, I do think that that is incredibly sad, no matter who the person is or what you do or do not like about them to lose a loved one is extremely difficult and traumatic. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And a cancer. We've unfortunately been through that. And it is awful. Yeah. Yeah, ten out of ten would not recommend. No, no. So and all right, you know, and I think that too was it was almost like that was a turning point happening within the church at the same time that the turning point was happening probably in the community around them going, oh my gosh, or is this campus going to be next? You know, like <laughs> yep. this is like another, even though there's not a lot of information about this particular year, what little bit there is is actually incredibly important because it's an, just another turning of the story. For sure. So zipping right along to 1979 so we don't keep you guys here all day. We might be able to get halfway through this timeline tonight. Uh, the Lennox College enrollment was 450 students, according to the Berkshire Eagle, so that's important to keep in mind. Uh, I found a little snippet from the Berkshire Eagle as well, from an article called The Bible Speaks, Issues of Power and Dissent. That made me laugh, so I'm gonna read it. It says, The Bible Speaks applied for membership in the National Association of Evangelicals in 1979, but was turned down. Marianne Petlin of the Field Services Department told the Eagle that the Bible Speaks was not classified as a cult, but it was certainly cultic. Well, and in fairness to her, <laughs> was the bite model even a thing then? No, no. So they didn't really have back then a lot of the information that we have access to now where it the defining a cult has become a whole lot easier because there are people way smarter than us who have actually done their homework oh, yeah. and have the degree and the pedigree to um, make the claims that they're making in terms of how to spot what is a cult. So in all right. fairness to them, they didn't have the the material and the knowledge back then. For sure. Yeah. And I think um, we mentioned this before too, but just the access to information now makes a huge difference as well. Because in that time, like cult probably rang Manson in people's heads, like scary demons. So it might've been kind of hard to see it that way at the time. Not totally sure. but That is true. That is true because really you didn't, the way that they operated and the way that people were, like 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 we've said many times, you had so many wonderful, kind-hearted people that, yeah, even though you, the similarity was you had a large group of people that adored one particular person in a smaller setting, a lot of the similarities kind of end there mm-hmm. because they were definitely a different breed of cult than what we're discussing here on a lot of ways, with the exception of 
the personality because they did have that in common. And this is also pre-Satanic Panic, but not by much. That started in the 80s. So we're coming right up to that. So I think the idea of a cult was... But this right here is the reason, this right here is the reason that that Carl in the Bible Speaks originally reached out, I think, to the director of Christian Research Institute, because I think this is what they were running into. They wanted to infiltrate all these other places and be considered a benign evangelical group. And they were meeting with a lot of resistance. And I I do believe that is why they wanted this report done because they wanted to be able to prove to those people that we aren't what you think we are. Well, so here's what's funny about this, because everything we've read before now says that they reached out to the the CRI, the Christian Research Institute. But I found in that same article, The Bible Speaks, Issues of Power and Dissent, an interesting little snippet. It says, when Carl Stevens and other church administrators learned of the investigation, they invited the Institute to work with the church. So they didn't reach out first. The Institute was already looking into them. I kind of wonder, I feel like maybe Carl himself didn't, but there were certainly people that were within the church that did. Right, but what I'm saying is that Carl didn't start those. Which is very interesting. He wasn't like, hey, come prove we're not a cult until it already was in the works. Yeah, and this is very interesting because it, oh my word, it's like, I'm just seeing this this parallel it's like a harbinger of things to come because you had people within the church that genuinely wanted to see it get back on track and saw things that were problems and probably did go to carl to get him to cooperate and you're going to see this later on down the line a good 30 years later the same thing where you had good people within the organization who had big concerns and met together and supposedly had Carl's blessing, but then he backed right off of that when it didn't go the way that he wanted it to. Teaser for later down the road. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is the pattern of behavior we're starting to see develop. Yeah. Uh, I have a little snippet from the CRI report on page two. It's a nice little opening section that I think is helpful here. Uh, So in March 1979, the Bible Speaks contacted us and expressed a willingness to correct any problem areas that might have existed, which kind of once you realize that they knew about it and and then helped, that kind of fits. It's like a nice way of saying we were already doing things. Uh, And a desire to be reconciled with those members of the evangelical community who they had offended, which I think is interesting wording. Our director, Walter Martin, and research consultants Howard P. and Elliot M. responded by engaging in an extensive dialogue with Carl Stevens, president of TBS, and his representatives. We pointed out to the TBS leaders the problem areas that we saw in their teaching and practices and made a specific recommendation that we felt, or recommendations, that we felt would help to rectify the problems they contacted us about. So, the CRI report has two dates to it. They came, they released a report. We'll get to that when we get to that. And then they had to kind of walk back and re-release a report because the Bible Speaks said they were going to do all these things to fix things. And I bet you can see what's coming down the road. (laughs) Another quote from that same page. Jim H., pastor of Grace Bible Church in Lake Elsinore, California, which until mid-1982 was a Bible Speaks branch ministry. So that's interesting that it left in 1982. Participated in the same procedure. I remember when they had these tape recorders lined up in the back of the church. And because the commitment Stevens wanted everyone to make was so long, you didn't say what it was you were committing yourself to. You just said, 
I agree with what was said on October 27th, 1979, and I support it totally. So arbitrarily, you would just commit yourself to what Stevens was saying. You'd give your name and address. This was done to show your loyalty to the Bible Speaks and to say that you wouldn't be deceived by the devil. You were making a pact with God that you would go all the way with him, and the way to go all the way with God is to go all the way with the Bible Speaks ministry. That's what Carl Stevens said. But then he also says, I didn't want all this devotion. What can you expect when a guy makes such an investment in people's lives? Naturally, they're going to love him. <laughs> Carl Stevens demanded unreserved dedication from TBS membership, and hundreds of them complied. Some acted out of, their, out of their devotion so zealously that an increasing number within the evangelical community began to view the Bible Speaks as an aberrant group. And there... Oh, just stop it. Just stop it. You cannot, you cannot get up and preach that you have to be baptized in the man of God and that it cannot be done to have a relationship outside of the man of God, proclaim that you are the man of God, and then say, I didn't want all this devotion. Just stop it. Well, apparently you can, because he did. Uh, yep. And I think that's a good spot right there to uh, put a little capper on this, because... We are now set up very nicely for what is going to happen in the going into the 80s. Sure is. That's what we've wrapped up the 70s. Next time will be the 80s. Lord help us all because that's six years instead of four. <laughs> We're going to be here forever. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot that went down in that six years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a quick little shout out to, I don't know if these people are still living, but Daniel Keating of the Berkshire Eagle. Uh, and Diane Dumanowski of the Boston Phoenix. They contributed a lot to my research through their articles, so thanks to them. And also Elliot M. and Walter Martin, who wrote the CRI report. Thanks a bunch, you guys. My goodness. And thank you to everybody, too, who's been willing to talk with us off the record to fill in some gaps. Mm -hmm. Just know that if we are saying something that we've told, been told off the record, it's something that we fully 100% have no reason to doubt what that person's saying, or we've been able to corroborate that information or both, which most of the time, honestly, has been both. Yeah. Yeah. And anything that doesn't have a name to it, we've said it during the time, but just uh, don't sue us. It's allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening, you guys. I know this was a long one, so good on you for toughing it out. <laughs> the next one's going to be longer, probably, so sorry. <laughs> The Lennox might keep us occupied for at least a few episodes. There's so much here to talk oh, about. Yes. It's a beast. It's been a beast. Um, but we do appreciate you, you sticking with it. <laughs> we do. And just like a little sprinkle pixie dust of goodness, we have something coming up in the next few episodes that is going to blow your mind. So stay it's tuned. It's certainly blowing ours. So. It's blown ours right to bits. Oh, my God. If you have not already, please go to your like and subscribe buttons. Heck yeah. So subscribe on either Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts because I promise you, you will not want to miss what is coming. Um, and go ahead and follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Give us a like. Um, I had someone say the other day, they, I wish I could give you five stars. I said, well, you can give us a review. And they went, oh, great. So if you <laughs> want to give us five stars but couldn't find a place to give us five stars, there are places to give us reviews. So please, by all means, yeah. feel free to give us um, a review um, and share with any of your friends that you feel might be interested. For sure. And on Instagram, we are children of grace underscore podcast. If you want to email us, it's children of grace podcast at gmail.com.
<laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> oh, bye. Bye. <laughs>